Hey everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I'm your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm the co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. It's good to be here, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Hope everybody's day is going well. Remember, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, how was your Monday as far as the bets go? Anything good? Yeah, overall solid. Uh, ended up winning my play today with the Brewers on the run line, which is a bit of deja vu because I'm pretty sure you had the exact same play. So that worked out pretty well. How'd the premium side go for you? Mm, not good. It was the day of the underdogs, and that did not fit well with my plans at all. So we'll just uh, we'll just leave it at that, Scott. There was a couple of really good head scratching performances, and uh, yeah, didn't didn't work out for the good guys too well. And I'm also bummed I just missed the steeplechase. Wanted to get a bet on the steeplechase. And man, just not not running well today. What's Scott, what's what's the dumbest Olympic sport? It's a great question. Um truth is I don't really have any that come right to the top of my head. You have any? Mm, I'm thinking hammer throw. Now, if you've got the winter Olympics, you've got the biathlon where you ski a little bit and then shoot. So I never really understood that unless you're chasing like a wounded reindeer up on the Arctic tundra. I don't really know when that comes into play. Do you think the hammer throw would be more entertaining if they're throwing hammers at people? Absolutely. Yes. If you had a separate sport called hammer catching, yeah, I'm all about it. I'd be all about that. All right, Scott. Well, let's get her started. We got a lot to get to today, including a uh, very good interview that we did with a uh, young fellow by the name of Munaf Manji, who is a NBA sniper. He's going to give us his thoughts on free agency, on the draft, and everything like that. And a quick note, we did record before the big free agency hit yesterday, so we didn't do a, a lot of discussion about that, just some potentials about uh, the draft and uh, and some futures and things like that. So very good interview. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we'll be doing Call the uh, Cops. is going to be coming up very soon, and we'll stick around and, of course, we'll be bringing you our Bet the Farm segment. And, Scott, pretty excited. We're unveiling a brand-new segment today. So stay tuned for that. But let's get her rolling. I mentioned it already. You know what? You love it. It kicks off every show. It's the people that kind of uh, took it in the shorts like, uh, like, like yours truly did today, Scott. Thought they had winners. And then, all of a sudden, they didn't. It is time, once again, to call the cops. All right, Scott, well, let's get it rolling, shall we? Phillies Nationals under nine. Uh, we may come back to this one, too, my friend. If you had the Phillies Nationals under nine, you are in great shape for the first eight innings. Uh, Phillies had a, uh, or excuse me, Nationals had a 3-2 lead. And then, as the kids say, it all went to hell in the ninth inning, Scott. The uh, Nationals put up five runs. The Phillies put up two runs. Philly scored five. Or excuse me, Philly scored five. Nationals uh, scored two in the bottom of the ninth. But by then, that didn't matter. Way too little, way too late. Game ended 7-5. If you had the under nine, that was just a distant memory by the time it was over. And it was time for you to call the cops. And if you wanted to bet on some baseball, but maybe not some domestic baseball, you had some international baseball going on in the Olympics between Team USA and Japan. And if you had Team USA on the money line, you were in good shape. You're up by one run going to the bottom of the ninth. Japan ended up tying the game. And then the extra innings happened. Fun fact, Olympics extra innings. Man on first and second to start extra innings. Just load them up. Yank, uh, the uh, Team USA did not score anyway. Japan scored. Japan walked it off in the 10th. Yeah. And you know, it was even worse than that because there was some questionable managing going on and didn't, didn't bunt. Didn't bunt with first, first and second, no outs for Team USA, top of the 10th. Let's let 85 year old Todd Frazier swing away. Down goes Frazier. Down he goes out. Frazier. I don't, I don't remember if it was three pitches or four pitches, but he wasn't close at all. In any He's so bad. I can't remember if it was two or three pitches. It was one or two. All right, Scott. Well, let's talk about a game that we actually had. We didn't have this side of it. If you had the Indians uh, team total under three and a half against the Blue Jays, they had. Uh, Two runs through the first nine innings. Robbie Ray did a decent job. The bullpen of the Blue Jays did a very good job. However, their uh, new closer, Scott, it's Brad Hand time. What time is it, Toronto? It's hand time. 
And you know why they call him Brad Hand, Scott? I did the joke earlier. I'm going to do it now. It's because it's Because he handed the game over? Just handed the game over. And the Indians scored one, then hit a two-run homer. Bob's your uncle. Drive safe, everybody. It's 5-2 Indians. If you had the under 11, if you had the under three and a half, horrible beat. Horrible beat indeed. You should call the cops. Also, you mentioned two runs through the first nine, but just in case you didn't pick that up, it went to extras. So keep that in mind. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, correct. It did go. It go, did go to extras. My, uh, I'm sorry for being a little fuzzy on on the uh, on the details there. Yeah, that was in the top of the tenth that they hit the the home run. So, yeah, not good. Why well, did say they had two runs through the first nine innings? That's what I'm saying. So you could infer it went to extras, but just to state it clearly for the people in the back. Okay. Well, good. That's a pretty good inference. Scott, the other side of the coin. This is the place where you want to be. These are the nice, easy wins. No sweat at all. These were the rocking chairs. So the first one involved the Mets and the Marlins. And if you had the over seven and a half, that was easy. Four runs in the first inning, two runs in the second inning, two runs in the third inning. Everything slowed down after that. Only one run in the final about fourth inning onward, but that didn't matter because you already had eight runs. Game ended six to three. Yep. And if you had the Seattle Mariners plus 190, nice play for you. And it was never in doubt. Started off a little slow, but Seattle scored five in the top of the third, one in the top of the fourth. It was 6-1 after four innings, and they ended up taking care of business. Eight to two, Seattle, no sweat. Go pick up that plus 190 ticket. And if you want to talk about plus 190 tickets, we got an even bigger underdog that won yesterday with the Baltimore Orioles plus 260. Now, you might be wondering who was pitching for the Yankees that warranted being minus 300. Is it Whitey can Ford? I you, yeah, can I interest you in the franchise debut of one of our favorite pitchers on the show, Andrew Heaney? Mm. Not good. And he wasn't good in this one either. Baltimore led 4 nothing after 4, led 6-1 after 6, won the game 7-1, to plus 260, you went outright by 6 runs. That's pretty easy. You know, they always say it's hard to win when you don't score, and I'll go one further. It's hard to win when you don't score, and you have Andrew Heaney on the mound. Not a good combination How about uh, Lopez, though, uh, with a solid, uh, I I forgot if it was five no-hit innings or six no-hit innings, but he was absolutely dealing. Yeah, he was very, very good. He was was outstanding. I think, is that the second start in a row he's been really good? I believe so, but... Anytime you think about backing him, he's going to blow up. You save all the backing for Matt Harvey nowadays, right? Yes, that's absolutely correct. He is, he's done well for us the last couple of weeks, Scott. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. So let's break out. The, let's break out the new segment. This is the one that we've talked about doing, and it, it, we haven't done it. Nothing has really fit, but this one really fits. It's a line that makes no sense at all to us. It is called the odds makers must be drunk. That is just top quality right there, Scott. That's a that's a lonely odds maker who's just finished off that last bottle of Cuervo. What do we got here, my friend? Well, you want to do the honors for the first segment? Yeah, we're taking a look. I would I would be happy to do the honors, Scott. We're taking a look out west as the San Diego Padres are taking on the Oakland Athletics. And uh, Blake Snell going for the Padres hasn't been great. Sean Manaya going for the A's, very solid pitcher. You would expect the A's to be a small favorite here, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of what, Scott? Minus 130, minus 140 even, perhaps? Of course, Tatis not in the lineup, but you figure he might be worth 20, 30 cents tops, yeah. give or take. Can I interest you in the Oakland Athletics, Scott, at minus 190? No. Mm-hmm. No. Not at all. No, not at all. Now, Blake Snell... We've talked about it a lot. He hasn't been fantastic. He has had a rough season, but this is a San Diego team that still has the third best record in the National League. Unfortunately, they have the third best record in the National League West too, but that's another story. Oakland, you know what? They're doing what Oakland does. They kind of pedal around. They run in, they run in place. They end up finishing about five to seven games behind the Astros. That's the kind of season they're setting up to have. You're going to play one of those wild card games, but the point is, they are not a substantially better team than the Oakland or than, than the uh, San Diego Padres, and certainly not by record. Now, Manai has been very good his last three. Not going to lie. Blake Snell, 
stinking up the joint. However, Blake Snell is still a uh, a pitcher with good stuff. And Scott, he's given up one or less in three of his last five starts. I got to take a swing here, my friend. You're going to give me, what, plus 175 or so on the Padres? Sign me up. I think it's a matter of looking at the overall rosters on both sides. Of course, pitching's important, uh, obviously, and Manaya is clearly the better starting pitcher. But you want to look at the overall talent from top to bottom, even without Tatis. The Padres have a pretty comparable lineup, I would say, to Oakland. I think Oakland's a little bit better, but I think it's close. Yeah. I mean, minus 190 is what you'd get between the Brewers and the Pirates almost. Like, this is really just off. Yeah, that makes it makes no sense. It seems like they're almost daring you to take the Padres. But... I'm not saying that it's automatically, you know, going to be a Padres upset win. No. But if you want to lay 190 with Oakland, good luck to you. Because I feel like you can lay that amount of juice on, I'd say, some quality teams against some bad teams as a whole around the league. But I do find it interesting because San Diego does have the better overall record. No question. And it's and it's plus one seventy five. And they so, play they play in a much better division too. That is true. So uh, we're not saying Oakland's going to win. Nope. But we're saying if you want to take a sprinkle for value there, I do question what the odds makers were thinking here. Yep, I odds makers must be drunk, Scott. That's absolutely right. And again, I think the A should be somewhere around minus one forty, which is which is about seven to five. But catching at minus one ninety, you're looking at. Pretty much what 35 38% overlay on that. That's you gotta you gotta play it just on general principle. Yeah, I agree. All right, very good. Well, let's get to uh let's see who's gonna wear the golden feed bag today, Scott. One of our favorite segments that we do. Let's see who we got lined up in the stall here. It's time once again for Donkey of the Day. <laughs> All right, Scott, would you like to do the honors, talk a little basketball donkey for us? Yep, sounds good to me. So, as a lot of people know, you had the start of NBA free agency yesterday, and a lot of money was handed out. I might have picked the wrong career. If only I was about 6'5", you know, about 220 pounds, maybe I could have made a couple million dollars in my time. But, unfortunately for me, that was not the case. So, looking at one of the contracts that scratched my head for different reasons was Jeff Green. And Jeff Green and Glushin Sports Management, which is his agency that he ends up, you know, hiring an agent from, he ended up signing a two-year deal worth $10 million total yesterday. So $5 million per year with the Denver Nuggets. Now, Jeff Green, as a Nets fan, I can attest to it. He was very good last year, especially for a veteran who was playing for the minimum. 34 years old, he's been around for a while, but I feel like you would have assumed Jeff Green was probably closer to 37 than he was to 35. Would you agree with that? He's been around for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yet, yet he's still 34. Anyway, now I mentioned two years, $10 million total. In comparison, Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets got three years, $42 million with San Antonio. Evan Fournier got four years, $78 million with the Knicks. Jeff Green, after a solid season, signed the same exact contract as bench player Tory Craig. Now, my question for you is... Why a, aren't we agents? Yeah, why aren't we agents? But A, Jeff Green, I'm guessing, took less money to sign with a contender. Yes or no? And B, how much do you think he should be worth on the market compared to what a, bun what a bunch of role players got paid? Because I think P.J. Tucker... Got two years, twelve million. I know Tucker ended up winning a title. I think Jeff Green's a better basketball player at the stage in their careers. Yeah. What uh, do you think Jeff Green's worth in the market? And is Denver even a contender? Did he take less to go to the right team? Denver is a contender. Yes, he took less to go to a contender. I would say he's probably underpaid by almost half. I think he's got. I think I he's got to be close to eight to ten. I'm just saying if McBuckets is getting paid about $14 million per year, you can make a serious argument Green's worth somewhere in the 12 to 15 range. 
Yeah. What is I don't I don't know what Glushin Sports does. I they, they've got I mean I don't I don't know what they do wrong, but I literally Scott some of these deals you look at your super agents things they pull off it's incredible. This is not one of those things. This is a deal that you and I literally could have done the same thing. Now, you could make an argument Green, you know, wanted to have a change in scenery, wanted to compete for a title. I'm just saying if you're going to take that much less money, Maybe you should just go back to the Nets. I was going to say they're the Nets are the the favorite to win the NBA championship next year. So if you're going to contend for a title, that would seem to be the place to be. But I mean, just to go through some other contracts, I was try- I mentioned McDermott and Fournier because they're wings. Yep, they're somewhat uh, three point specialists. Fournier, I can't even co- uh, I'd say quantify as a three and D guy because he doesn't play any defense. Neither does McDermott. Jeff Green actually plays some defense. I think Green has value. Yep. But Duncan Robinson, a guy whose defense we've roasted on the show numerous times, got five years and $90 million yesterday. Jared Allen's now the fifth highest paid center in the league. He got five years, $100 million yesterday. People are throwing around money like it's Monopoly money. And I guess Jeff Green didn't have good enough properties. Absolutely. He wasn't collecting enough rent. Absolutely not. Quick reminder, everybody, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio, brought to you by winnersandwiners.com. Winnersandwiners.com, the number one site in the world for predictive sports analysis, full previews, predictions, analysis on every game, every single day. Best part about it is it is always 100% free. Make sure you get your butt over and check out Winnersandwiners.com, or you are leaving money on the table. Winnersandwiners.com, go there or be square. All right, Scott. Well, another day, another rumor about the SEC sucking up teams like a super Hoover vacuum. According to a South Carolina radio host quoting reliable sources, wow, this doesn't sound sketchy at all, uh, Clemson and Florida State have already reached out to the SEC about joining. Allegedly, Scott, the SEC, a little lukewarm. To that prospect, they said that they didn't. Uh, they were worried about the streaming numbers for Clemson and Florida State versus the streaming numbers for Oklahoma and Texas. Said the only school at this point that really would have value and add value to the SEC would be Notre Dame. Of course, Clemson denies everything, which you would expect them to do one way or the other. So, is this a scoop? Is there some fire here, or is it just all silly smoke? Well, according to Stephen A. Smith's reliable sources, Damian Lillard would play for the Knicks if he could play for the Knicks, right? So <laughs> it tells you all you need to know about reliable sources. People make it up. There's a reason why you don't list your sources. It's because you can say whatever you want, and as long as you pass the blame off to an imaginary figment of your imagination, you can't be held responsible for spreading nonsense. So now, are we missing the boat here? Because this is some South Carolina sports talk show host hey, we've got a sports talk show. Can we just start ridiculous rumors? As long as we say, according to a source of mine, that's right. this is going to happen. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. A reliable source. Yeah. So if my wife told me that Northwestern is uh, thinking about moving to the SEC, I, I got it from a reliable source. It, uh, it could be happening. If you find your wife reliable, then yes, it's a reliable I source. Do- but. I do find my wife reliable. <laughs> but anyway, to go back to the point, we're just we're kind of just teasing a bit, but that's why I have a hard time believing most regular talk radio shows, especially for sports that don't talk about gambling. Yes. Because they, they gotta fill they gotta fill hours. That's right. And if you just make up topics, it's a lot easier for the clock to start going down. I don't exactly buy it. It's mostly because of how last minute this is. It seems like it's a pure reactionary conversation to get Clemson involved in local radio talk instead of only talking about Oklahoma and Texas. So I feel like it's a way of just shifting the conversation to focus on a more local team as opposed to being genuinely about a potential uh, switching of conferences for Clemson. I don't buy it. I think it's purely just to generate ratings for this radio station. You? Okay. Yeah, I I don't doubt that at all. I, I don't think there's... It doesn't seem to be confirmed by anybody or anything else. So I'm ESPN's been not hasn't been talking about Clemson for two weeks. We got to change that narrative. Surprised ESPN isn't strong arming them to take you know because that's how they broke up the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott, talking about the NFL. And a quick reminder, everybody, here at the bottom of the hour, we are going to have NBA expert Munaf Manji on from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's a uh, He's a good dude. We had a lot of fun and uh, picked up a couple of tips, Scott, that you and I could be executing here. So, 
How about you, Indiana Colts fans? I see you. Not the best day to be a Colts fan. Carson Wentz going to be out for they said they said up to twelve up to twelve weeks, Scott. Somewhere between five and twelve, so maybe a month or two off. Who knows? Yeah. So, what are their best options at this point? Well, right now they got Jacob Eason as their projected starter. Right. Other than that, you got Minshew Mania. You got, I guess, maybe a Nick Foles draw, which if I was Wentz and Foles took my job again at a separate franchise, I'm probably retiring out of just pure psyche. I mean, they've got they've got to go outside, right? You're not going to start True. your season with Jacob Eason, Brett Hundley, and Sam Ellinger, are you? Truth is, my really, really hot take on what they should do, maybe call up Phil Rivers again. See if he wants to come back around for one more year. I really don't know. Truth is, the Colts, they don't have many great options because when your starting quarterback gets injured a couple of days before the Hall of Fame game, you got yourself some problems. Phillip Rivers is a name that people haven't talked about because he seems content with retirement. I think you'd agree if you want to talk about a guy who might be the best option available. Is it Rivers because he already knows the entire playbook? Um, I would hit you with another ex-Cold. How about Jacoby Brissett? That's also an option, but... I feel like a lot of people were talking about Foles because that's the automatic response of the fact he's a terrible contract and he replaced once once before. Am I nuts for throwing Philip Rivers' name into the mix? Because we know he's a very competitive guy. We know that he played pretty well last year for the Colts. Of course, if he's officially retired, he's officially retired. Do you think there's maybe a chance he might come back just because the Colts might give him whatever the hell he wants? Well, I wouldn't say there's no chance, but I'm he, just throwing his name back into the ring. He seemed like a guy that was ready to be done. I agree. I'm just saying for a final season, he played surprisingly decent. Yeah, I know. I know it was, it was, you know, he certainly, he certainly outperformed our expectations. I think I'm just asking, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Jacoby Brissett? Yes. Nick Foles? Yes. Or Phillip Rivers potentially coming out of retirement? Jacoby Brissett. Okay. And he's he's probably the least likely guy that they're going to sign out of that group. Because he's, he's the backup in Miami, and Miami isn't exactly, let's say, locked into Tua, right? I'd say that. Plus, you never know what Tua's injury history. He could also just be thrown in since Fitzpatrick can't bail them out this year. Foles would seem to be in a better position to perhaps come over to the Colts being the third stringer, right, Scott? If the Bears swallow about 90% of that contract, sure. Yeah, and the and the the Bears said it's a it's a non-starter. So, uh, Marcus Mariota, I don't really see it. What do you see this doing to the Colts' win total, Scott? Well, it's plummeted. I know it was around ten. It's mostly down to nine now. That's what I'm saying. What do you? In, is there is there any value? I think the value is taking Tennessee to win the division again. Yeah, you? Yeah, I, I I agree. I I liked I, I liked, like Tennessee anyway. Yeah, I like Tennessee to start with. And it's uh, to uh, have that kind of a devastating blow to Indianapolis. It's just, it's just not good. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's. I mean, if you want to invest in players, maybe Jonathan Taylor over in whatever stat you want, because I got to assume the Colts have to reinvent their entire identity. Don't you think? Yeah, they're going to have to do some some rearranging on the fly. No question about it. They're so. going to have to pound the rock. Not as much as Baltimore, because they got a running quarterback but like a Rex Ryan Jets team. They're yeah. going to have to run the ball 30-something, 40-something times again. We'll see. And I know they've got they've got a great line for pass protection. I don't think they have the same quality as far as the run game goes, but we'll see. That's we'll- fair, but Taylor, you would agree, turned into a fantasy beast over the last couple months there. And with Wisconsin, he was not afraid to handle the rock 30 times a game. So there might be a chance that Indianapolis just overloads the backfield because with Eason potentially as the quarterback – I think they'll probably want to limit the amount of times he gets smacked in his rookie season. What are the odds are Easton takes the snap, the first snap on opening day? Those have not been listed yet on I any understand. books. I did, I did, I did a look for it. If I had to guess, I would probably say plus one fifty. Plus one fifty. I think it's actually close. Wow. It, it, I, I think it really depends on preseason because I think if Easton looks good, he could win the job. I think that's. No universe that that happens. I think he's a 20% at best chance. That puts the odds at plus 400. 
I, I know why you're saying that. I just personally think that Eason might be a little bit more alive depending on how preseason goes. Because if the coaching staff likes him and if he shows signs of early development, you might get a Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn situation where you just ride the hot hand. Okay. All right. Did you maybe, fi- I'm just, did, did maybe, you, maybe I'm just so low on the other options. Did you help the odds makers finish off that bottle of tequila before the show? I didn't, but I'm saying that I don't know what else you're supposed to place the lines at when you don't know what the other options are. You're going to have four different names, five different names. Everyone right else now. in the world is the other option. That's the field. It's literally. Oh, it's, okay, so it's field. It's literally. Uh, yes, anyone else takes the snap. You, you okay, lose. so field, that's more fair. I thought you meant just picking a bunch of different names. No. Eason would be the favorite right now. No. Yeah. Uh, the, really? Over a bunch well, of other I mean, names with you th- potential, yeah. You think he's, he's the, the fa- you think he's the favorite over the field? Over the field, no. Okay, I'm saying if you would list everybody individually, Rivers, Brissett, yes. everyone like that, Eason would be favored. But that, okay. But you put them together, and yeah, you put it together, and I agree with you about the potential plus four hundred. You there, can, but you can have Eason. I'll have the other seven billion people. I'll take the 7 billion people, but I, I thought you, I misunderstood the prop you were offering at the time. Fair enough. All right, Scott, sad day for us soccer. The men, they're not there. They're not the only, they did their team. part. <laughs> they, they did. Won. They, they did won their part. They won the CONCACAF cup, the gold cup. So that was good. The ladies team, Scott, we haven't talked about the ladies team losing at the Olympics in a very long time. And that's exactly what they did. Ended up losing to Canada. One zip. Um, I know we're not supposed to talk about women's ages, Scott, but the core of this team is getting a little long in the toofies. There are uh, mid to late thirties. Uh, Carrie Lloyd's almost forty. Is this their last hurrah? Are they are they done as a team, Scott? I can't say they're done because U.S. still managed to overcome Abby Wambach's retirement, and she's probably the best female player we've ever had. So I'm not gonna overreact and assume we don't have anybody else in the pipeline having said that they are done in my book because i'm never bet on them ever again (laughs) you're dead to me women's soccer i had money on them yesterday against canada i had money on them against australia who they tied with i think zero zero i'm oh i'm oh and two on team usa no i think it was a european team but no they beat uh, the netherlands in between but two like three games ago i believe they tied australia uh, zero zero. No, I think. Okay. But either way, I'm zero two on Team USA women's soccer. Never again. I'm done. Okay. I don't. I want to. I want to put a mark on that clip because when the next Olympics comes around and you're loading up on the U.S. women's team, you will never see me bet on the U.S. women's team ever again. You're dead to me. I'm not even joking. That should like, be. Our... I will never forget them betraying me twice. <laughs> They've won 37 straight. Ga- they didn't lose 37 straight going to the Olympics and. They completely laid an egg repeatedly. So, I, I can't. So I can't you, do it. You've been betrayed by women again. I, I'm i not ready to get hurt again in four years. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. It's not you. It's me. No, no, it's you. It's absolutely you. Uh, we talk about that in baseball and other sports, how there's some teams that you just still have a memory of and you just can't back them anymore. You can never back them. Right. I can't do this because Team USA women, the only time you're ever going to get odds on them anyway is World Cup soccer or maybe some international friendlies. Not doing. They could be playing against Uganda, and I still wouldn't take Team USA. I'm done. You know, that's, this needs to be our new segment. Call it, call it dead to me. That's really a <laughs> decent idea for a segment. You, you are dead to me. I'm never betting on this team again. Um, there's been a could couple be a player for player props. Anything though, just who's who's on the list for you? Is there a team that's particularly dead to you that just seems to screw you every time? Uh... For the most part, this season it's been it's been the Atlanta Braves. Okay, they've given me a hard time. I can't say that they're dead to me because they usually get some decent prices, but I still remember backing them a couple weeks ago, and they ended up losing to Pittsburgh like twelve to nothing. Right, and I'm just like I I can't do this anymore. It's yeah. just bad for even when I win, it's bad for my health. Pittsburgh is the team that should be dead to me. I I ended up fading them today, and um, I've got I've got to play for tomorrow. Or, I mean, I faded them yesterday. And uh, it worked out okay, but it's Milwaukee's kind of a special case as we talked about. So, mm-hmm. yep, I think I think we've got I think we've got our newest segment, everybody. So, all right, guys. So stay tuned. Right after the break, we are going to be back with Moonoff Manji 
talk a little NBA. You guys stay tuned for that, and we will see you on the other side. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Everybody, welcome back to the second half hour of Winners and Winners Radio. Quick reminder, give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And we're going to talk some NBA winners right now with a very special guest. Help me welcome to the show. He is the co-host of the NBA Gambling Podcast and MLB Gambling Podcast over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is Munaf Manji. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I know... It's only been like about 12 days since we've been removed since the Bucks won the championship. But I was talking about this morning, this is a league that never sleeps. So there's always something to talk about with the NBA. Kind of kind of a weird schedule with getting started late there in December and finishing up, uh, what, middle of July. It's And then now they're going to start up, what, end of October, right? Middle of October is about when NBA gets fired up. Yeah, and then now you still have NBA, uh, or sorry, uh, Olympic basketball going on. So some of the players are, you know, abroad trying to get that gold medal too, so... Good grief, man. Trying trying's the key word. We'll see what <laughs> there you go. Those poor underpaid guys, they're out there earning their $45 million a year. <laughs> hey, Muna, and speaking of that, let's get started. Just a couple of quick things. Scott and I talked about it on the show yesterday. and love to get your take on it, about what it means for Chris Paul and for Kawhi Leonard to both decline their big money option. Do you see either those guys moving? Or are they just angling for better deals? What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I mentioned this morning in the NBA Gambling Podcast was that um, Kawhi Leonard's probably not on the move. It, it's it's for him to maximize his his bank account and and lock up a long-term deal uh, with as much guaranteed money as he can. And what the Chris Paul thing was, um, there was rumors or you know chatter on social media outlets that maybe he's going to decline that option and maybe think about joining his buddy in L.A., with LeBron James and the Lakers. Uh, but with the Westbrook trade, you know, that's finally been squashed. But yeah, last night it, the news broke that he declined his player option. So maybe trying to get more money and, and, you know, guaranteed money in a longer deal. I think he stays with Phoenix also uh, just because they've built something incredible there in the last season. Some more pieces to add, but I think those two guys are just going to stay put where they are. Right. Scott and I talked about that on yesterday's show, and it looks like maybe he's angling for a multiple-year deal, maybe passing up the 40, $44 million, trying to get three for 100 or something like that. Yeah, exactly, and it's going to be more about guaranteed money. I mean, there's teams like the Knicks that have the cap space to throw 
maybe a fully guaranteed money for a guy like Chris Paul if they wanted to. But um, as far as, you know, being in Phoenix with Devin Booker and Coach Monty Williams, I think that's the place for uh, Chris Paul to be. Scott, real so, cool. you're, so you're telling me that there's a high-profile free agent that the Knicks might apparently be getting? Maybe. Right? Never heard that one before, right? <laughs> Scott, that's I what I was – I was going to see what that would be on your terror level as a Nets fan. How much would you hate Chris Paul going to the Knicks? I wouldn't hate it. I just find it amusing when the Knicks are linked to everybody, and now suddenly – they made the playoffs. Everyone wants to go there. And then it's like, oh, yeah, DeRozan. Apparently, he also wants to go to the Knicks. I'll believe it when I see it because nobody seems to ever sign with them. That's fair enough. Scott, you got any questions? Uh, yeah, mostly involving uh, the – we'll start off with the NBA draft because I know that we, those are the main two stories that happened overnight with regard to the free agency. But looking at the draft, there were a couple of picks that I was a little bit surprised with for good or for bad – Starting off with the first one, it's got to be the choice for the Raptors taking Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs with the fourth pick, which caused Suggs to fall to five. That move shocked me, and I didn't really understand it because Toronto, I figured, was going to trade Kyle Lowry anyway, and I thought Suggs was a perfect replacement to fill in. Are you a fan of the Raptors taking Barnes instead, or are you with me where you just don't really see what Toronto was looking for? it seemed like a natural fit with Jalen Suggs being drafted by the Raptors because Kyle, Kyle Lowry is gone for sure. Right. We're, we're hearing rumblings about Miami. Um, but I, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, there was chatter that Scotty Barnes or Jalen Suggs was going to be the guy at uh, Toronto. Um, but I agree with you, uh, Scott, that for the Raptors, it seemed like that Jalen Suggs would have been a better fit with Lowry out the door, just coming in day one and taking over that point guard position, right? And I think that Scotty Barnes at five with Orlando Magic kind of being that glue guy for them because of the quote-unquote talent that they may have inside and outside, having that wing player to kind of put it all together for them made it better sense. So I don't know, maybe Toronto saw something in Scotty Barnes that they loved instead of Jalen Suggs. So that point guard position, whether it's going to be Fred Van Vliet that takes over or, you know, if they address someone in free agency. But um, I wasn't too shocked, but I would have preferred them taking Jalen Suggs over Scotty Barnes for sure. Yeah, I feel like the one issue that you have with Toronto when it comes to free agency is, of course, getting high-profile guys to want to go to Canada, which yeah. has been an issue in the past. And maybe it's just assuming that Toronto wanted to stay competitive for as long as possible. I thought Suggs was a very nice transition piece there where now, assuming they end up trading Lowry to Miami, maybe getting a, a couple of, you know, quality players like a Tyler Hero, maybe a couple picks, yeah. can they stay really competitive there? Because I'm not really sure if they can. I don't think they can. I think that they need to really address their front court because it's pretty much non-existent. I mean, they tried Aaron Baines last year, and that didn't really work out. Uh, they had Chris Boucher, but this guy loves to shoot that three-point shot, so they didn't have a true guy that can – rebound the basketball for them um but back to your point Scott about uh guys that want to stay in Toronto you mean Kawhi Leonard didn't want to stay in in Toronto in that freezing cold see you people forget how awful that trade rental would have been had they not won the title yeah and it worked out perfectly because Kawhi immediately left after winning if they would have lost either to Milwaukee or to Golden State Suddenly, people are thinking of Toronto very, very different, differently when it comes to that trade. I've, I've got a quick question, guys. When, when they say announce a contract with Toronto, that contract is actually in Canadian dollars, right? And I, I'm, I'm being completely serious. I have no idea. I, I have no idea either. Because, because it's obviously worth less in America. That's, and I know, I know that was a deal with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Montreal Expos at one point that they were getting paid because there was a huge discrepancy in the exchange rate, it's not as bad now, but back in the day, it was it was a big deal that they were being paid in, in Canadian dollars because that was their country of origin. So I, that I was did before my time. All right, I just didn't know if that if that ultimately <laughs> if it still plays a factor. You know, in fairness, Scott, a lot of stuff was before your time. Definitely true. Um, let me uh, let me ask you, what was the sure. bigger surprise to you dropping into the second round? Was it Desanmu or was it Jared Butler? <sighs> I think it's both for me, but if I really, if you had to make me pick one, I think it was Ayo Desumu for me because there was a lot of chatter and a lot of the respected mock drafts that had 
Ayodesumu really going in the first round. I mean, early on in the college basketball season, uh, they were talking about this guy being a, a lottery pick, let alone maybe a top eight pick, but he fell down the draft board uh, all the way down to uh, Chicago, where we've heard that they are also in the market for a uh, point guard. I've heard about, you know, Lonzo Ball maybe going there or, um, you know, a reunion with Derek Rose. But I think Ayodesumu from Illinois was really that surprise for me that really fell down the draft board. And, you know, Jared Butler wasn't too far behind um, Ayodesumu. He went, what, 40th overall to right. the Pelicans. So, um, you know, those two guys right there. Okay. Uh, I just want to note for our listening audience that I'm uh... – Pretty much O for my career on pronouncing uh, Desunmu's name correctly. I'm hoping to have better luck with his NBA career going forward. So well, you're better <laughs> than the honest pronunciation. I, 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 you know what? That was just a mental. You know, I think I finally have it, Scott. But that was a mental block for me for about three years that you I would finally figure it out. I could phonetically block. write it out. Didn't matter. Just absolutely block. There's about to be blocked. three of them in the leagues. You should probably know the last name. There's going to be an entire team of uh, attentive. Nope. Nope, can't do it on the fly now. See, I I bragged on it and absolutely (laughs) crashed and burned. So, what are you playing right now as far as futures? What are you What are you looking at, both team wise and individual awards wise? Yeah, I think the one team that's really intriguing to me, and they were at thirteen to one when I locked them up, and now they're down to ten to one, was Golden State Warriors. Um, You have MVP caliber player Steph Curry. You're going to get Clay Thompson back. Not sure how effective he's going to be early on in the season coming off a two brutal injury. So it might take some time for him to get that rust off. But I mean, they have pieces in place. I mean, we've seen him do it without Kevin Durant. Um, now there's rumors that they've maybe have a reunion with Andre Iguodala with uh, Nicholas Batum has been also rumored. So they have young talent. They also have obviously the splash brothers. So anytime you have, along with Draymond Green, right? I mean, they all are a year older, but in I think the Western Conference is a lot more wide open than people think because we don't know what the timeline is going to be for Kawhi Leonard with his uh, partially ACL tear and then Jamal Murray also for the Denver Nuggets, who's probably going to miss at least for sure the first half of that season, if not three-fourths of the season. So I did lock up the Warriors at 13-1, to currently seeing them down to 10-1 to to 11-1 to in some places. I found the Warriors a little bit interesting at 13 to 1, but I found their draft move extremely peculiar. I just didn't expect them to take Kaminga, especially since we're talking about how the big three for Golden State has gotten a year older. Kaminga seemed more like a project to me. So I was yeah. kind of surprised. Of course, people were rumored to uh, maybe trade the pick at Golden State, but that did not happen. Were you surprised at all they took Kaminga because he seems like a guy who might develop into something maybe two, three years down the road? Do they have the time to actually wait it out with him? I think with Kaminga, I wasn't too surprised about it. I think a lot of the mock drafts did have him going there, but I agree with you, Scott, that he is more of a project. It might take for him two, three years to really develop into the player that they want him to be. Obviously, when you have the Splash Brothers, you probably want that win-now player. Um, But I think they got a steal at 14, though, with Moses Moody, because this guy was projected to go top 10 in a lot of the mock drafts, right? And, And for him to fall all the way down to 14... Um, along with the guys that they already have on this roster, um, you know, with James Wiseman, what is it going to be the future of Wiseman with the Warriors? Jordan Poole, I think, is another great player that's going to come off the bench and what they do in free agency to really address that. But um, if you're kind of looking at this team with Wiseman and, and Kaminga, they have a good mix of players that they couldn't win now, but they're also kind of set up for the future, if that makes sense. Okay. Got a quick question. Uh, well, it's really a two-parter. Who was the biggest steal of the draft, and where's your money going for Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I'm going to sound a little biased because I am in Houston and, and a Rockets fan, and I already locked up uh, Jalen Green to win the uh, Rookie of the Year. I think it was around plus 450. Um, Jalen Green's going to for sure come in day one and be in that starting rotation for the uh, Houston Rockets, right? And with the whole James Harden debacle, uh, there isn't really a guy that can take this team by the throat and be that leader on this team. Now you bring in the number two overall pick, Jalen Green, who's been the, I guess the experts have been saying there's a guy that can average anywhere from 20 to 25 points a night for you, uh, along with Kevin Porter Jr. 
Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be more of an intriguing piece um, because of the things that he dealt with in Cleveland. Um, but I think the biggest question mark also is going to be for the Rockets is John Wall. What are they going to do with him, whether they try to trade him or if there's going to be a buyout? But I think Jalen Green, for me, shows a lot of that big promise um, as far as rookie of the year. Um, and then the second part, the biggest steal, um, man, does it sound too cliched for me to say that Evan Mobley, that was supposed to be the consensus number one, fell to the Cleveland Cavaliers at three? You can say that. I don't know for, if I'll agree enough. with you, but you can say that. Yeah, I mean, I think that at number three, I mean, it's not much of a steal, but... I'm guessing um, you're all in on Mobley then. Yeah, and I think Mobley, I think they said in any other draft, if those other two guys weren't in this draft, that he would be number one overall pick. And I, I think that's for the top three guys. If they all were in separate drafts, they would all be number one picks. Makes sense. Just one last question, just really quickly. Sure. So the Lakers are four to one to win the title now that they have Westbrook. Are you pro or anti? I'm assuming I know where you're going with this, but I'll let you have the floor for a bit. I agree with me, Scott, too, is that Russell Westbrook – as soon as this guy starts jacking up those three-point shots, LeBron is going to give him the ugliest look. Yeah. You know, what the hell are you doing jacking up these three-point shots? The, the thing with me is that Russell Westbrook does not have a jump shot. I mean, he can knock down that 10 to 12-footer inside the arc. but And then LeBron, not a guy that has a great jump shot either. Both of those guys get their points finishing around the basket. Um I just it, the fit is going to be really interesting to me and how what the style of basketball they have. They're going to have to surround those three guys with Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James with shooters and guys that can knock down that three point shot. Yeah, I agree. Very good. All right. Any fi- any final thoughts? Any any best bets that you want to impart to our listeners? Um. No. I I I, I did lock up uh, LeBron uh, MVP at eleven to one. Not so confident anymore with Westbrook on the squad, but right. um, all the stat padding going on. Yeah, all the stat padding that's going to take away from uh, from LeBron. But uh, Warriors at, at, at thirteen to one, if you're able to shop around and find that, uh, it's going to be intriguing. And then um, I'll give out Team USA. I think they come out and take care of business tonight. Okay. I know we're not talking about Olympics, but I, I think that minus twelve and a half for the uh, for the Team USA tonight against Spain, they'll be able to get up and down. Uh, on this uh, Spain team because they are a little older. I think if they're going to go in this game, it'll have to be with pace. All right. Quick reminder to everybody that we do do some of our stuff a day in advance. So the Spain game, good luck because by the time most people hear this, that'll be, that'll be, I've already played. So hopefully everybody got <laughs> down on the right side of that. He is moon off Manji. Thanks very much for joining us, man. It was a blast. Can we, uh, can we have you back once everything gets rolling? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Scott has my information. You can uh, reach out to me anytime. Happy to come on and talk hoops with you guys. Love All right. It. Fantastic. Make sure you catch him over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, co-hosting the NBA Gambling Podcast and the MLB Gambling Podcast. We didn't even get into baseball, man. All right. We got to have you back to do that. Take <laughs> take care, man. And we'll see you again. Thanks very much. Thank you, guys. All right. All right, everybody. Another thanks to Monoff Manji. Moonoff Manji. I, at least I didn't butcher it for the interview. So he was... That's a, a sharp cat, Scott. We're going to have him uh, back on again because I know he, he's an MLB guy too. So that'll, that'll, be, uh, that'll be fun. So, all right. So we've got a little time left, Scott. We've got a full day of baseball action. And I'm not going to lie, Scott. There's some crappy matchups out there. They're, uh, they're really starting to put some serious, some serious juice on some of these teams. So tell me what you got cooked up for today, my friend. Well, when you're mentioning the series, Juice, it's because we're really separating the contenders for the tankers, and the trade deadline was a perfect way to differentiate them because a lot of teams blew it up and a lot of teams desperately bought. So motivation is definitely a factor that the markets are putting in. We've mentioned in the past our thoughts on motivation. We can get into that another time, but that's definitely why you have seen bigger lines over the last couple of days. But looking at the actual card itself, I got to start off with Baltimore. I know that the Yankees have Cortez on the mound because Garrett Cole has COVID. As well as any good for Baltimore? No, but the Yankees are lying about 310. I can't do th- I can't do this. I-, I can't. Or even if the odds plummet after Cole, maybe they close it around 250. I can't lay that with the Yankees. Even when they swept Miami, the offense has fallen apart. 
This is this is an offense, Scott, that has uh, scored f- less than five runs for eleven straight games. See, Rizzo was great, which is why the media kept talking about Rizzo. You notice why they didn't show highlights of anybody else on the team doing anything for the last couple of days since Rizzo got there? It's because nobody else did anything besides Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, that's in. This is a I, what? What is wrong with this offense, Scott? It's been the case all year. I've I know. taken some Yankees team total unders all year long, and it's just their approach at the plate. They don't actually walk. They don't find ways to advance runners. They're terrible at runs in scoring position. They actually would do pretty well with the half-injured lineup because they were getting creative on the base paths. They were stealing more. Then everyone came back, and their guys are talented, but they're really, really slow. So it's really tough to move base runners and to go from first to third on singles if your guys are going half speed half the time. Can you give me any legitimate reason not to play the team total under on the Yankees in this game? Because you know that with the total at nine, the Yankees is a prohibitive favorite. It's going to be five and a half, three and a half, and it's going to be seriously juiced to the over. Can you uh, can you talk me out of playing plus money on the under five and a half in that game? I can't because you said it was 11 in a row for the team total yeah. under five for yeah. the Yankees. Or, uh, l- less than six, five or less. less okay, yeah. yeah, either either way. I, I agree. Now, could Wells be terrible? Of yeah. course. That's, kind of, that's part of the risk you end up taking whenever you back anybody on Baltimore to stop the other team from scoring. Yep. But I got to take the under there. Yep, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think that's it's not quite as good a money. It's not quite as good a price as playing that uh, big dog. But it's a... Uh, Probably more of a uh, sure thing sort of thing if there is if there is such a sure thing which there of course there isn't but all right um, the cooch Seattle going against Tampa Bay Seattle uh, took the game one of that series going against uh, Patino it is a you say like a Kikuchi. eight and a half is your total Tampa Bay not surprisingly is a pretty good favorite here although there has been some Mariner money hitting the board. This one opened up Tampa Bay minus 170. It's now down to about 155, 160, depending on where you look. Scott, fade the cooch, back the cooch. I have a hard time backing Patino. I just don't think he's very good. I know that he's young and his stuff is pretty decent, but as a whole, Kikuchi has been a bit streaky, I'd say, since the All-Star game, but he has been okay lately. Um... I don't want to lay that price with Patino. I think that if you're going to and you like Tampa, there's a good chance you could probably get a better line in-game if you think that Seattle might get off to a hot start. But Patino, I'm not a big fan of. I think he's okay at best. But I, if I'm looking at value, it's Kikuchi or pass. You? Yeah, I would consider also playing a first five. Seattle bullpen isn't great. Tampa Bay bullpen, always good, especially at thinking home. thinking Seattle team total over maybe first five, you can get that. Yep, if you can get that, maybe even uh, maybe even the full game team total over. But yeah, I I don't uh, have any qualms against playing uh, playing the cooch here. He's uh, like you said, Scott. He struggled a little bit in his uh, starts since the All Star break. Well, actually, he struggled to start right before the All Star break. But you know, he's got good stuff. He's a he's a mm-hmm. he's a crafty lefty. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens in that one. Anything else you're looking at? Yeah, other than that, I got to go back to a copy of what I did yesterday for my play of the day. I'm Milwaukee on the run line with Hauser against Kranich. Kranich stinks if you've actually watched him pitch. He's been terrible all year long. Hauser is arguably the worst starter in a tremendous rotation. He's still very good. And Milwaukee has now won 11 of the first 14 meetings by three-plus runs. So That's an incredible, that's an incredible stat, by the way which I found yesterday on air, and of course it extended because Milwaukee won by four yesterday. If When Milwaukee wins against this team, they win handily. So I'll go with Milwaukee run one. you have anything else you like? Yeah, I, I like that one as well. Um, I'm tempted to fade Taiwan Walker, but we don't have a starter in that Miami game. Taiwan Walker hasn't been good here the last couple starts. That's that's tempting to me. Um, can I interest you in... Willie Peralta and Garrett Richards, Scott. I have a hard time deciphering this Detroit team because Peralta's numbers were really good early. Right. They have not been good lately. He has been lit up his last two starts. But Garrett Richards is a guy that we don't like, but his road numbers are a lot better than his home numbers. So I'm going to go with Boston. 
I, they're the better overall team. Detroit's bullpen was really good the other day. That's a miracle in itself because it's not a good bullpen. I'm going to go with Boston because I just think Peralta might have been a flash in the pan. You? You know, the Royals are kind of going for one of their things right now where they're not scoring a ton of runs. But if you wanted to take a little flyer at a decent price, probably plus 170 or so, you could probably do best better than back in the Royals and uh, in the, in the, against the White Sox there. So. Yep. I don't hate it. All right, my friend. Well, it is time to do it to it. As you and I put our heads together, we've been running pretty good lately, Scotty. And it's time to uh, unveil another one. Time to put on your straw hats, buck up those overalls, get on your tractor, and bet the farm. Scott, how did we end up? Uh, how did we end up doing um, yesterday? Did we did we do okay? I can't uh, I can't completely remember how we did. So, circle because it was the first game we mentioned on Call the Cop. If you had the under in the Phillies Nationals game, you had a bad time, but we had the over, so we had a nice winner for another farm. Never a doubt. All right, beautiful. Well, Scott, what do we got cooked up for today? So we're going to look at a matchup between the Cubs and the Rockies. I know a thrilling game, but bear with me for a second. We like the first five under six and a half and minus 120 on BetMGM. Zach Davies is pitching for Chicago. His numbers at Coors Field in his career, surprisingly very good. 2.3 ERA in six career starts at Coors Field. So that's the place he pitches well. Yes, but he's <laughs> never actually been on the Rockies. So maybe right. the Rockies should call him. Uh, you have Kyle Freeland pitching for Colorado. His numbers overall this season, not good, but lately he's been pretty solid. Last two starts, 13 innings pitched, two earned runs. The Cubs, we know they traded Baez, they traded Rizzo, they traded Bryant. All of them homered without the Cubs, but the Cubs missed them. Besides Contreras, this team doesn't really have much talent, so we think they're going to struggle in the spot. The wind is blowing in at roughly nine miles per hour, and the under is five and two in the last seven meetings. Simply put, six and a half runs is way too much for this first five. I know it's in altitude, but Davies pitches well here. Freeland's been good lately. We think that it should probably finish with six runs max before the sixth inning. And by the way, this is a number, we and we've talked about this book, that BetMGM puts up some pretty friendly first five numbers early in the in the process. Scott, would, would that be a good way to put it? It's first fives and team totals. Uh, right. So I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if you start getting on this game and you open up your book and you see it as a first five play at maybe six, five and a half, maybe even, I probably won't be five and a half with those two pitchers, but I wouldn't be surprised to see six with the game total being 11 and a half. So six and a half, that is an awfully friendly price. And I think that that is absolutely what we're going to do. So we're going to play our bet the farm. We're going for three in a row, Scott, going for a turkey. Cubs Rockies, first five, under six and a half. Book it and bet the farm. Don't really have much to add there. I'm hoping that the Cubs continue to struggle. I wish the Rockies traded story in half their team, but hopefully Davies delivers once again in course. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys, well, that's going to wrap it up for today. As always, thanks very much for tuning in and checking us out. If you're listening to the radio, if you're listening on the computer, thanks very much. If you're watching us on the YouTubes, don't forget to drop us a comment. Don't forget to subscribe and all that and like our video, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. As for myself and for Scott Reichel, we wish you guys nothing but the best. Hope every one of those tickets in your pocket turns into cash money when you head back to the window. You guys have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winners Radio. Take care, everybody.
Thank you.